Kids, you looking at me? Can I see your faces? Your eyes. I see your faces. The choices you make in life or the greatest choice you can make in life is to follow Jesus. Okay? That's what I want you to see. He is the way that is you follow Him, you believe in Him, and you have salvation, you have eternal life. And hopefully you get a picture of how Jesus is the way He leads you, not to candy, but He has, he le- has led many of us and hopefully He has led all of us to salvation, to eternal life. That is, if we follow Him, we have eternal life. It's not that He doesn't necessarily we question where He leads us, but whether we have truly believed or not, that's the question. And so eternal life and a relationship with God is what we get when we turn to Jesus Christ. And that goes for the rest of us too as well. And so let's pray. Kids, I want to pray for you. Adults, I want to pray for you as well. Okay? All of you have just ingested sugar. I'll pray for you as too. Okay? Lord, um, we do humbly come before you and we just thank you that these silly little illustrations hopefully will help us grasp a bigger picture of how great a gift you have given us, those of us who have turned to you for, by faith, who have trusted in you, Lord Jesus, that we now have forgiveness of sins, we have eternal life, and we have a relationship with you. We have a relationship with the Father. And we know that someday we will be with you. Thank you, Lord. Help us to understand that is greater That is a greater gift than anything this earth has to offer. And we ask, Lord, that you would help these kids to fully uh, understand uh, the truth of the gospel and that they would follow you all the days of their lives. And we thank you, Lord, that we could be here and worship you together and celebrate what you have done for us. Lord, we ask that you would guide us as we look to your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we're going to turn to John chapter 14 and do an overview of uh, 14 through 16. And there's some key truths in here that we are not going to get to touch on very much or at all as we go through these passages. But I want to remind many of you and, and, and help some of you get a taste and remind the rest of you what Jesus said to the disciples the night of the Last Supper, the night before he was going to be taken away and tried. And so when we look at this passage, I want you to see how trusting in the only way, and the only way is Jesus, right? He's the one we want to believe in, the one we want to follow. How trusting in the only way will guide you into eternity. And and really you say, well, you know, we could say future, but, you know, when we believe in him, we have eternal life now. We have received the Holy Spirit. He indwells us. And we have a relationship now. But when we look at this, we also see we have it forever. Now and forever. And and the focus is here on this passage as Jesus is speaking to them about what's going to take place very shortly and thereafter. And so it's the future. And what do we need to know about our future? The disciples and we have a future hope. 
And they were given future help, which we now have. And they and we have present commands. And so first we must know there is a future hope. In John 14, 1 through 6, and we're going to take John 14, 1 through 6 and use it as kind of a base camp here for this first truth. We look here in verse 14, uh, verse, verses here in, uh, pardon me, um, Verse 2 and 3, we find from 1 through 3, we find that Jesus is talking about uh, an eternal home that He's going to give them. That He's going to prepare for them. And there's another verse in verse 19, if you jump down there. Jesus says, after a little while, the world will no longer see me. And we find back in John 14, 1, that Jesus is telling them, hey, don't be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he says he's going to go to prepare a place for them. But he's going to come back for them so that where he is there they may be also. And in verse 19, he says, After a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. That is, Jesus will not remain in the grave. He will be raised again. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 we find that over 500 brethren saw Him at one time and so many saw Him alive and many after even the Apostle Paul as one born out of the proper time saw Jesus as Jesus appeared to Him on the road to Damascus. But they did see Him and they did understand that Jesus is alive and Jesus says in verse 19, because I live, you will live also, right? Jesus is a resurrection and life. John chapter 12. John chapter 11. But because Jesus is alive, we will live. John 16, 16. Jesus said, in John 16, 16, if you'll jump around with me just a little bit, a little while and you will no longer see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. Why, why is he repeating these words again? I think they have not yet grasped the reality that Jesus will truly, physically die. He will die. But grave will, the grave and death will be conquered. By Jesus, as it was now as we look to the past, as they were looking forward. And Jesus is telling them this because so that they would see and believe and understand that this not only will happen, but He promised that it will happen. And therefore, they can again believe in Him. Going back to John 14, 1 through 6, we find that Jesus also tells them, uh, not only, you know, hey, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus tells them this so that they would believe in him, truly believe in him. Especially once they see him again, even Thomas, who in this passage and another passage later on in John needed a little bit more evidence or a little bit more teaching on. But here in verse 2 and 3, we find that it's an eternal dwelling. 
many mansions, many rooms, many dwelling places. And so it says uh, here, in my father's house are many dwelling places, the dwelling, the many dwelling places or many mansions or, or many rooms is the word that we can translate ado, uh, abode, sorry, abode. Uh, that might be the most straight across translation that there is. And I find it interesting, uh, the sound of abode is very similar to abide. And wait, you say, wait, that's the English translation. If you want to take it that way as a translation. But I find it extremely interesting that even when you go into the... Could you click the next slide for me, Josh? The Greek, there's just very small changes. Very small changes. And and it goes from uh, monet to minnow. We change the vowel sounds. The omicron turns into an epsilon and the eta turns into an omega. We find that it's very similar. And I find it interesting in this passage that, hey, we will, you will, you disciples will have the Holy Spirit abiding in you. And if you abide in me or remain, that's another way to translate um, meno is remain or abide, but if we remain in Him, He remains in us, and if we remain in Him, we, re- we remain in the Father. If we remain in Him, then the Holy Spirit abides or remains in us, and someday we will abide not only in a relationship, but physically in His abode. I just found that the sounds very interesting, and there's some similarities. And today we can take courage and be excited that we have the, a relationship with the Lord. And because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can know that we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But we must abide or remain in a relationship with Jesus because everything we do for Him has to be through the strength and direction that He gives as He is the true vine. And so it also reflects not only an eternal dwelling, but an eternal relationship that we have with the Savior when we turn to Him for salvation by faith. Really, we have a sure future and a present hope, but it is a hope in the future. We have a present reality of a relationship with Jesus Christ and the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. That ensures and gives us a solid reality or definite hope in what we have for the future. It is much like when I was a kid and my grandpa or grandma once said to me uh, that we were going to go to the grocery store. And I knew if I was with them when I went to the grocery store, I would get one of those five or ten cent pieces of candy up there in one of the jars at the grocery store. Now if, with, if I was with mom and dad. No it wasn't going to happen. But if I went with my grandma and grandpa. Hey I knew. 99.9% of the time. I would get a piece of candy. It's a far 
greater reality, or that is for kids here today, we know with 100% certainty that if we walk with Jesus, if we trust in him, not only do we have a present relationship with him now, but we have a future home with him and continued relationship with him. Praise the Lord. Therefore, do not let your hearts be troubled. Hope is sure. So trusting in the only way, the only way is Jesus will guide you for the rest of your life. That includes all of eternity. Second, we must know that future, there is future help. For them, future help. For us, it's present help in the paraclete or paracletos. In, in 14, 16 through 18, we find Jesus' teaching to the disciples because what they're going to face here was a, a horrendous reality. They were unaware, even though Jesus had told them time and time again how serious it was going to be that Jesus would suffer and die on the cross. And so... I believe Jesus, knowing this, is trying to teach them in another way the reality of the blessing of having the, the helper, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, who would be sent on the day of Pentecost and thereafter for all believers who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in 14, 16 through 8, we find some wonderful truths about the Holy Spirit uh, in verse uh, 14, 16, it says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another paraclete, helper, that he may be with you forever. Wonderful word, right? Forever. That is the Spirit of truth. Another name we could say for the Holy Spirit describing who he is and the work that he does. Not only is he a helper, but he is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides. Ooh, there's that word abide or remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Praise the Lord. Jesus is coming again. But Jesus is telling them here in this passage, hey, I'm sending, the Father's sending a helper for you. You will not be alone. In verse 26. But the helper, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Why can we trust the Apostle John is teaching us what Jesus said? Because he had a helper. The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth who brought to remembrance all that Jesus had said to him. And so we see that the Holy Spirit was to be sent. We see that the Holy Spirit was to uh, help the disciples. And the disciples' uh, advantage here, really look at verse 7 in chapter 16. Flip over to chapter 16 and verse 7. This is interesting. Jesus says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I, did, if I do not go away, the helper, the paraclete, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That is Jesus saying, hey, this is great that we're together now. But, you know, if I, if I suffer and die and am raised again, then ascend to the Father, then the Holy Spirit will come and he will be with you always. Now, I may go down to the river by myself or up on the mountain to pray. And you may go out in the boat and the waves might start coming and you may not have me with you. 
But hey, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will never go up to the hillside and leave you to the boat, in the boat, by yourself. <laughs> right? That's what he's saying to them. For us, it, we just take it for granted that the Holy Spirit indwells and, and we have the Lord Jesus with us always because we have the Holy Spirit. But it's to their advantage, Jesus is telling them. And so when they have this very scary time that's going to happen shortly, maybe they'll remember. <laughs> they can not be troubled. Look at verse 26 again. The Helper will teach them. In 26 we see also the Helper, the Paraclete, will bring things to remembrance. And in chapter 15, verse 26... Jesus says, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify about Me. And He will give them, next verse, them the ability to testify about Jesus. He will teach them what is to come as well. He will teach them what to say. And so, the paraclete is a helper. He is a spirit of truth. And the world cannot receive him because they did not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who is the way. The spirit of truth will remain in you, Jesus tells them. In verse 13 of chapter 16, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will guide them in all truth. Again in verse 26, we mentioned that already, but so jump down to 15, 8 through 11. In 15, 8 through 11, Jesus says to the disciples on this night where there's so much that's going to take place, my Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. The only way that we can do this and the only way that we can receive his joy and peace is through the power of the Holy Spirit, who he was going to send to them who we have seen since the day of Pentecost, not physically seen, right? I've experienced the wonderful blessings of the Holy Spirit. But the future help for the disciples, we have that present help now since the day of Pentecost. They needed the reassurance. Do you need reassurance? There's a lot of crazy stuff. I've kind of ignored some of the things going on in the world today. I just don't want to hear it or see it, right? And then you stumble across some of the news and you're like, ugh. I didn't want to see that. Take heart. Jesus is king. And we have a helper, the Holy Spirit. Finally, we must know that there are present commands. I read just a couple of them just a second ago. John 14, 1 again. What is this command? This command is hey, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. Instead, be courageous. Another verse that goes along with this one is verse 27 of chapter 14. Verse 27 again says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. 
The peace that Jesus gives us isn't what the way the world's peace looks or is experienced. Very fickle peace. It's a long enduring peace with the Lord Jesus and the Father. We know that we're in a right relationship and it gives us a, a sense of peace that surpasses all understanding. But it says, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Therefore, folks, we should be courageous. Look at 1633. In 1633, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have many wonderful things such as Easter candy, uh, Coca-Cola, you know. An easy life, a nice, you know, Dodge pickup. Some of you are like, wait a second, where are you going with this? Oh, 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 right? No, it's not what it says. You will have what? Tribulation. Hmm, that doesn't seem like it goes very well with peace, does it? Well, the peace the Father and the Son give us is far greater than the peace of the world. And the world, if we're friends with the Lord, we're enemies to the world. Jesus says in this passage, in a couple of places, if they hated me, they will hate you. In the world you will have, in the world you have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. Who's the king? Who's the victor? The Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? He reigns. He's the boss. He's letting stuff go for now, but someday it's going to end. So are you going to follow someone to a bag of potatoes? Or are you going to follow Lord Jesus Christ to things that are far greater than any illustration I could ever give? Far greater than Easter candy, right? Are you going to follow Christ? Or are you going to follow the ways of this world? Are you going to let the fear knock your faith down? The trouble will not last forever because Jesus has overcome the world. So Jesus goes on again. Remember verse 1. And then we'll compare in chapter 14, verse 1, right? Believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 11, Jesus says, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. So Jesus says, Believe in me. Believe in me because of the things that I have already done. And then he goes on in verse 29. Now I have told you before it happens so that when it happens you may Believe. Hey, I've given you this little prophecy. These things are going to happen so that I'm telling you so that you will believe. This is for the disciples. These great men who God used to establish the church. And if they were needing to be reassured to believe in the Lord Jesus, we obviously need to to learn from their example and fully commit our way to Him, believing in Him fully, not allowing the world to knock us down. John fifteen twelve. So these are commands, okay? Believe. Be courageous. 
and really can't get into it much, but love one another. John 15, 12. Look at this verse. This is my commandment. That you go out into the world, and yes, you make many disciples, and you do this and you do that. You engage in many ministries, making sure that you're never home at night and, and so involved in ministry that you're never able to, to invest in the lives of your brothers and sisters in your church or you're so busy in the world in ministry. And hey, it may not be ministry, just be out there working hard so that, you know, that's what matters. It's not the lives of other people, you know, the, your family or, or your church family or your community. It's about how you look in ministry or it's about how, how you're doing and, and looking like you're working hard or, or, you know, how much better you're doing in life, right? That's what it says. Good paraphrase, right? Now, I... I want us to be engaged in ministry the bible speaks about ministry which is service okay and jesus does give us a great commission right that is true correct that we are to be involved engaged in the great commission making disciples which means more than evangelism and actually means also investing in their lives so that they mature in the lord which means you're probably going to have to love them so, what does he say here? The command is, love one another. You disciples love one another. Now, John, the, the apostle John is writing this. Most of the disciples are probably passed on by this time. It's for us to understand this is what Jesus told the disciples, and it's what Jesus wants us to do the same. It is a command not only for them, but for us, that we love one another. And what is love? Here's a good long definition for you. I love this. It's out of a very thick book for husbands. Husbands, who are you supposed to love? I uh, just heard a song. It was about something about I love me, myself, and I, or something. I don't know. It's, it was weird. Anyway, what is love? By Stuart Scott from The Exemplary Husband. A selfless and enduring commitment of the will to care about and benefit another person by righteous, truthful, and compassionate thoughts, words, and actions. Hmm. Now how can I do this? I can't do this. Can you do this? I fail. How are we going to do this? Abiding in Him. Love Christ first. Your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we have a couple groups going with uh, Every Man a Warrior. First book is all about that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Spending time with Him in the Word and prayer. And then we begin to learn about, hey, what does the Bible say about our marriages? How are we supposed to love our wives? How are we supposed to invest in our children? And on and on and on. But that first relationship is vital remaining in the vine the lord jesus christ abide in him john 15 for abide in me and i in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine so neither can you unless you abide in me verse 5 at the end of it 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. I think we as believers of Jesus, as followers of of Jesus Christ, it is important for us to be engaged and involved in trying to proclaim the message and living out, doing these righteous, uh, good things for the Lord. But make sure that we never get separated from a relationship with Jesus Christ because then it does become just a ministry. So what's the difference? Well, you're clinging to Christ and let him guide to you and give you the strength to do what he wants you to do. Make sure that your ministry never gets in the way of your love. Your ministry should be driven by your love for Christ and for others. It's pretty easy for pastors for anyone in ministry for missionaries to struggle and get things flipped around pretty easy. So that's a warning. So how do we heed the warning? Remain in a deep, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our ministry is never to... um, Make a name for ourselves or try to outshine someone. Or let people say, oh, wow, nice. Look how well they're doing. Our ministry is about serving and caring for others. And the only way we can do that is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ who is the way. So how are we going to march towards the future? Well, keep trusting in Jesus. Know that he has given you help and love him and love others. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time and for your word. I ask that you would guide each one of us and perhaps I'm the only one that struggles with some of these things every now and then where I put uh, things or goals or work ministry before people help me not to do that lord help all of us to show great love for one another by being being people who care truly care about each other but more than that that we would continue to cling to you knowing that you are the only way you give us the strength you give us the ability you give us help and you have given us a future And therefore, we can continue in you to show love to one another. And in you, we can make a difference in a world that is severely messed up. Lord, we pray that we would reflect your glory in all that we think, say, and do this week. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, uh, we have the opportunity to take up an offering.